Hello and welcome to another episode of Get Out A Wrap. Uh, today I'm in London with Joe Garland, who is Senior Manager, Operational Support, Customer Contact for John Lewis. Joe, hello. Hi Martin. <laughs> Thanks for giving up your time. Oh, great to be here. So let's start with a little bit about you for those people that um, don't know you. Um, long title, John Lewis. Um, how long have you been at John Lewis? So I've been with the John Lewis Partnership 22 years this September, um, but with John Lewis about five years, having started my career with Waitrose. So, okay. Yeah. So the other division of the partnership. And how about getting into contact centres? What was that? Uh, well, it's probably a long, it's quite a long story, so I'll try to kind of cut it down a little bit. Um, it was completely by accident. Um, so having spent sort of 15 years managing shops within Waitrose, um, an opportunity came up um, in the Bracknell head office to run the contact centre uh, for Waitrose uh, for a six month period, uh, which I took on. Uh, really enjoyed. Um, it was just a fantastic experience. Um, totally by accident and I can remember my first day walking through the door um, and realising that everybody was on a phone so that shows my lack of knowledge about <laughs> what contact centres were actually about. Um, but my philosophy was very much around the customer needs to be served um, and if they're on a what, queuing at a till or queuing at a phone, um, it, there's no difference. So um, employed the tactics I would have done within running a Waitrose shop, um, which proved to be quite successful. So you spent 15 years doing retail? Shops, yes. And then that, a transition from there into contact centres? Absolutely. And what, what was the thinking behind that? Were you just, I'm going to do, I want to do something different or? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was an opportunity that presented itself. Um, and I got a bit of a tap on the shoulder, if I'm honest, and off I went. Um, but wanting to do something different, but still wanting to work with people and being customer focused, which is, which is really important and uh, something that I love to do. Um, but unfortunately, that's the comment came to an end. It was only six months. Um, so I went off to do um, a job for Little Waitrose, opening um, the Little Waitrose on Shell Forecourts. So another completely different role where I used to don a hard hat and uh, <laughs> <laughs> boots and go and measure out car parking spaces on Shell Forecourts. So I really enjoyed that because that was also really different. Um, but then when a job was advertised for strategy and change manager for the John Lewis contact centre operation, I decided to go for that because I, I loved that job so much in Waitrose. I thought it'd be great to see it from the John Lewis side as well. So will you, you take all of these kind of um, different experiences, but all being customer focused, you must have come at contact centres with a slightly different view than maybe someone that had been there as an agent and then sort of come up that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when I when I was actually first in the contact centre in Waitrose um, and could feel some of the agents getting quite frustrated with the branch partners um, not answering queries quick enough when we needed to refer the query to branch, um, I could really empathise because I'd been in that shop uh, with you know people at the tills queuing where they're where they're there and you've got to serve them there's nobody in the warehouse to check the stock levels so absolutely could understand it from from both sides of the coin which was really useful I think anyone the way you can 
see be empathetic yeah, based on experience absolutely. as well so you're able to educate the contact center teams that you're running and then when you dipped back into retail do the same that way as well absolutely so it was it's really good i think any experience wherever your career takes you you always learn something if even if you end up not in that not in that space i suppose so from there, then where? So then I moved into John Lewis um, contact centres, which was a was quite a transition, if I'm honest. So um, gone from running a at the time in Waitrose was a 200 head, 250 head um, contact centre with a small outsource operation into John Lewis, which was a 2,000 head operation. So the scale was huge. The processes were particularly complex, um, lots of different lines of work, um, so it was very, very different. And I was in a space that wasn't operational. So for the first probably time in my career, I wasn't managing massive teams um, from an operational perspective. I was very much um, developing the strategy and managing the, um, the changes that went into the contact centre to make sure they, they went in smoothly. Is the change in scale daunting? It was, yes. It was. I just didn't know what was going on, because um, I, 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 you know, if I'm honest, I started the role feeling, well, I've run a contact centre quite successfully, so this would be fine. Uh, no, it was, it was, it was very different, very different. I mean, the scale and the complexity more. So I think because um, John Lewis is is quite a complex organisation, um, and the contact centre service a number of, um, you know, a huge number of functions, um, a huge number of propositions. Um, so you could have an agent that would be answering questions on what is the flavour of soup in Cheadle right the way through to how do I access a, a beauty appointment mm -hmm. or my kitchen's gone wrong. So, you know, huge, a huge variety and for somebody quite new into John Lewis to get their head around that that was quite it was quite a transition so you, I imagine you had kind of some support around you but how do you go past the daunt you know being daunted by it? I can remember actually failing in an interview um, purely because I was looking for that step up so I'd managed like you about a hundred up to 300 mm -hmm. but then this was a thousand yeah. and I can remember just as you've been talking about it I can remember my answer when somebody said, so how do you think you're going to deal with the increase in number? And I, even though inside I was petrified, I was quite blasé and I said, well, I'm sure of my ability and processes and, and stuff like that, but it didn't wash at all. <laughs> so I think they just thought, yeah, he has no idea. So how, what did you do? How did you go about that? Yeah, I suppose the... Uh, the difference is it was a different role um but you know if, if it really if it had been an operational role i suppose you just you just scale that up but what i did was qu quite quickly make connections with people you learn who you can draw information from including your your old contacts um yeah. and and you're just really open and honest with the fact that you don't you don't know everything yeah um and with any role, whatever level you are, there's always a period of transition. Um, and you know, one of my philosophies is about reaching out to people, being really open, um, and asking for for support and help when you need it. Um, but also, really trying to celebrate the quick wins. Um, 
so at a time where you feel you're not really clear on what you should be doing I think it's a great uh, a great idea to think about something you can do really well and do that because if anything not only does it give you credibility for the people around you but it also makes you feel an awful lot better mm. so you know I had quite a lot of experience with um, talent development um, and you know talent calibration within Waitrose I used to lead on that so I led on that in in the in the directorate uh, in retail head office because I was I could do that um, so it gave me a little bit of credibility and enabled me to think actually I can really add value because that's really important to me even if you don't exactly know what you're doing all of the time feeling that you can add value in what is in talent a calibration so so when you look at same as calibration for, for okay. quality yeah um, but when you are grading people for ARPs um, you know your annual appraisal really looking at what does it actually mean to be a very good so taking out the um, taking away the individual um, perspective of that that individual but looking at what sort of things does a person who's very good what have they been doing um, and then somebody from another function describes what they've been doing and you really get a feel for that that level of grading because mm. we all know it's quite subjective mm, yeah um, and I had a lot of experience with being able to kind of chair those kind of sessions. So that in cr kind of cross functions as well. Cross so functions, yeah, brilliant. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so you had some kind of um, uh, reassurance, and you could reassure all the partners that 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 level, the ARP gradings and the talent gradings, were absolutely being talked about at a senior level, um, and people of a similar level were doing similar things to get a similar grade. That and that's great because I guess you, from that then, you're able to ref refine the ingredients of Absolutely. what good looks like Absolutely. regardless of yeah. the functionality that they're taking. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So then from there, then... So, yes, yeah, so, and then, um, so the strategy and change role was... Um, you know, I've still, I've still got part of that role, but this is just a, um, it was a beast of a role. Um, and we went from, I suppose, a function with, there's probably six of us to start with, um, which grew, which doubled. And it doesn't seem a lot of people, and it, it didn't feel like a lot at all. Um, but we were effectively developing the future strategy for the contact centres for John Lewis. Um, but the biggest chunk of the work was around ensuring that every single function in John Lewis, when they wanted to make a change, um, one knew that the contact centres were there and whatever yeah. they did would absolutely affect the contact centres. So a change in proposition, we need to retrain most of the people on the phones because they might get a query about it. Um, so it took quite a while to ensure that all the stakeholders in Victoria, where we're sitting now, understood the contact centres, um, understood we were there, and understood the impact, so understood the whole customer journey and what was going to be the impact on the customer and therefore the impact on the contact centre mm -hmm. at the end of the journey, um, usually when it goes wrong, but also just if they've got a query. Um, and there was no process in place to manage this. So um, we developed a, um, like a governance process, um, so change a change process. Um, and it's now fully, fully embedded within the contact centres. Um, we've got a change request form, we have a change forum, a group. 
And so essentially what that means is that every single change that anybody wants to make in John Lewis, if it's going to affect the customer, it comes through my team. Um, and you know, very, very proud that that process was won, won us an award at the uh, European Contact Centre Awards last year. Um, and just to recognise the, the, you know, the tough work that's been developing that process and getting that on everybody's radar. How much of that was um, about awareness and perceptions? And, and I guess both ways as well. Yeah, yeah there, is, there is absolutely. So a lot of it was about the awareness of contact centres and the impact. And also the important thing is around building that relationship with the stakeholder. So we have got, um, you know, when they're developing their business plans, we can be around the table to say, that's great you would like to do that, but have you, have you understood the impact on the customer, the impact on the customer journey? So at an early stage, we can, before any development's done, we can absolutely influence that process. And mm. we're now at that stage where we, uh, my team have got great relationships with the business development managers for the different functions. So we can begin to get in earlier on. So we no longer um, receive a change request and think, well, Maybe after the event. Yeah, or that, yeah, after the event, or that's not going yeah. to work, and then have to go back. So there's less wasted effort. So we, we've built those relationships over the last sort of three or four years to really begin to get into people's, um, on people's radars a lot earlier. Is some of that kind of routine cadence, or how much is, how do you sort of make the, the balance between strategic and the more being able to react quickly and... Yes, so we've actually, it's an interesting question, so um, we have got a BAU process which is the more run-of-the-mill, we've got a, a longer term lead time, um, but we've also got a, a fast track process. So with all the best will in the world, if John Lewis wants to do a promotion um, and it's the right thing to do for the customer, you know, contact centres can't say, oh, actually, you know, you're not going to be able to do that. We're not ready. No, we're not ready, because <laughs> we would always be ready. So we, it's a really good question. So we've um, developed a fast-track process so we can expedite that. But what we do is we've got stakeholders from the contact centre function on a weekly call to really uh, get to grips with every single aspect that's needed for that change. So we have the resource planning, we've got the telephony manager, um, we've got the training guys, we've got the quality guys. So everything we would need to do for a change, whether it's a small process change or whether it's a we're changing the CRM system change, everybody will be able to around that table so we make sure we've, we, we don't drop a ball. Great. Let's go back a sec. So um, the awards, can you just remind what was... Who was, who was doing the awards oh, and what was it for? So the award was the European um, Contact Centre Customer Service Award, um, which is hosted by the Contact Centre Management Association, which is a brilliant um, association. Um, and the award dinner was held last November. Um, and my strategy and change team uh, won the award for uh, most effective business transformation award and we won silver um, pipped to the post by um, shop direct who are were fab um, we've also we've visited them to find out what what they great. what they did better than us but anyway um, you visited them afterwards yes oh yes yeah, we visited great. them to get some best practice um, but winning silver was just amazing really it's just so proud of the achievement um you know because that's uh, that's a process we've developed the team has developed over the last few years 
um, and really felt we got the recognition that, that it really deserved. So this is this was a culmination of years of work, right? Yeah, yeah. What was the point where you identified and thought, you know what, I think we should go in for an award? Because even just doing that is kind of, you must, you must mentally be thinking, yeah, we've got something here. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it came to the point where we weren't, um, we weren't really getting any requests that we had to push back on and any requests we didn't know. And all of a sudden, everybody was in the process, aware of the process. And there was a period of about three months where I said to um, Alice and my team, I think we've cracked this now. So now we're into the space of actually, we just need to develop and refine rather than you know, go and talk to that person again yeah. because they're not following the process. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a great moment. Um, but presenting the actual, doing the presentation to the judges was just, was, it was quite nerve wracking, but um, I was just so proud that we could tell our story. Yeah. Um, it was brilliant, really good. And really what good. was that, um, who did you sort of take with you on that? journey what is the core team so the core team the team's changed a little bit now but the core team at the time were um so alice uh, is my direct report she's my was uh, my business development manager um, and becky who works for me she's the comms specialist so becky is owns the change process and a lot of that work was the three of us working on that but becky's got to take a lot of the credit for you know the groundwork and the um the redefining the process and the communication around that and Alice would be the voice in Victoria making sure that all our stakeholders are engaged. So, so, so the award even just going through it and then winning silver and something like that, were you, um, you've mentioned a couple of times where you mentioned going to see somebody else in the CCMA and people like that, how much and at what point did you start looking external because naturally in the role that you've described and knowing the work that you've done, it's 100 miles an hour, 24-7. When did you start sort of factoring in, looking externally and seeing what's out there over and above your kind of, yeah, your world? I suppose probably in the last sort of 18 months or so, uh, when we become more involved with the CCMA um, and more involved with the Institute of Customer Service as well. Um, so both of those institutions provide fantastic networking opportunities um, and so you would go you go to an event you talk to somebody and I think the benefit of these events and the special interest groups that the CCMA run is everybody's really open and shares their journey um, and you just make connections from there so um, I've been everywhere uh, so we've been across the country um, looking at quality, looking at learning and development, looking at change processes and really learning from other businesses. And that's not to say other businesses have got it all right. Everybody's on a journey as well. Um, but just so interesting to see it from a different perspective. And that is such an important part of what we do. I think in any industry, but particularly in contact centres where it's quite... It's very fast moving. Um, people are at different stages. To, to be able to learn from different businesses is just is just really really useful. How much of that um, plays a part in kind of your own view of your development and career personally, and lending itself to sort of mentoring? Because I know you're very passionate about your people, Absolutely. coaching, yeah. going external. 
how much of that has kind of made you go, ah, if I was to talk to myself 10, 15 years back or longer, what, what would you be saying and what's that kind I of... I would be saying reach out externally, uh, you know, because people are very, very generous with their time. Um, you know, I've reached out to a, a couple of senior leaders in different businesses recently and everybody's been really, really keen to share their knowledge, um, share their experience and a lot of the time that is just through an introduction through a mutual colleague. Um, but I've reached out to people just via LinkedIn. Um, I developed a, um, a learning programme last year um, and saw a post on LinkedIn which really resonated with some of my thinking. Um, so I reached out to the individual um, who works in the foreign office, asked if I could buy him a coffee, um, and he's like, come and share with me what you've done. Uh, it's just brilliant. Yeah. Um, and being able to, it gives you, it give, really gives you some reassurance as well that you're along the right path, even though you know you are, but it's great to have that external reassurance, um, not just in the John Lewis in the John Lewis world so yeah and I think something like that it's I didn't even know it was called a thing but this kind of about imposter syndrome and how when you're maybe starting out in management and you're thinking I remember talking to someone and it was only through actually going through some really difficult times not necessarily awards and things like that but he said something to me we kind of met each other maybe five years apart and in that five years, I'd worked abroad, but I'd been made redundant and all of these different things. And it was only through going through stuff like that that I thought, I, I kind of do know what I'm talking about. And he said to me, you look different. And I said, How do you, what do you mean? And I thought he was going to talk about losing my hair or, or something <laughs> like that. But he actually said, because um, he'd always been, or when I knew him, he was a part of the senior leadership team and I was kind of operational mid-management. And he said, you've gone from looking at the floor to looking me in the eyes. Yeah. And it was, it stuck with me. It stuck with me because I thought, not that I regret anything, but if I could talk to, or some, even through a medium like this, if there's people out there that are thinking they don't deserve to be in that position, but they feel comfortable and knowledgeable. I, I was knowledgeable and comfortable, but there were so many times when I thought, I don't belong in this room, when actually the reason you're in the room it's because you're going to bring something different. Absolutely, absolutely. And that is, I think, when you're going through your career, especially early on, that is very natural to feel like that. Um, and all the people you see around you that look really confident, that feel like they know the answers, are probably feeling like that as well. Um, but you don't realise that until you begin to come out the other side. And I suppose the biggest thing that uh, really helped me was um, coaching. So, um, so a, a number of points in my career, I've had a, I've had a coach. We're very fortunate in the partnership to have a coaching bank. Um, so there are a number of trained um, individuals in the partnership who um, are accredited uh, by Association of Coaching. Quite a rigorous program, um, and they are available for anybody in the partnership at all levels. At all levels, and you um, you go on. It's like a you get a profile. Um, you contact that person. Swipe um, right. So there's no, there's definitely no swiping right. So it's not quite <laughs> like that. Um, but you set up chemistry meetings, okay. um, and you pick a coach. You decide on a coach that can help, and that can be through telephone coaching, face-to-face -face coaching. We're looking at launching group coaching as well, um, and that's that has been quite pivotal in my career. So 
you know, coaching can really help you unpick what the blockers are to you actually internally feeling as confident as you would like to feel um, and that that's really helped me I think at various points throughout my career so much so that I trained as a partnership coach uh, la the year before last and now coach within the partnership supporting others which is just fantastic. In different functions, In different, different locations? Different, different divisions so Waitrose Group, John Lewis, branches, head office, telephone, visiting, yeah, just just a complete um, variety of individuals that I coach on a number of issues, not just work related as well. There could be um, personal um, issues as well, um, and the coaches are safeguarded by coaching supervisors, um, and you know we're well trained in how to deal with deal with issues, but. Um, it's just fantastic. You you really feel uh, that you are supporting people on a on a different level than just being a leader of your team. Which what a great a, scheme! Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Your your own team must benefit from the fact that you yeah, go through this, have all of these skills. Uh, do they are they part of that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've always had, even before I was trained, always had quite a coaching approach to leading a team. Um, feel very strongly about empowering people to make their own decisions um, and so the coaching has just refined my um, you know refined my skills so you know I can I can get really understand where people are coming from by the language they use through their body language the words they use um, you know how they're just their demeanor in the room um, but also what they're not saying um, so that's that's a really important um, a really important skill. So yeah, so my team benefit from it. Um, I'm also looking at uh, launching group coaching in the partnerships and uh, with another uh, guy from Waitrose. We're leading a pilot. What would that look like? So the pilot is around um, so coaching up to sort of ten people. Um, so for different, uh, maybe a different topic. So the important thing with coaching to remember is that uh, there is no right or wrong answer. Um, you don't go away with a handout. It's very much about the conversation in that room. And so the pilot we're looking at is a uh, working parents pilot. So we've got a working parents network within the partnership, a number of many networks. Um, and we're looking at uh, running a pilot for parents with children of similar ages or parents of children of any age to see which works best so those guys can get together and really talk openly about the challenges of having a job caring for children at the same time and how does that work and I think the recognition that you know people have got a lot going on outside work mm. um, but the, the point of group coaching as well which is so important is you you're able to build up with a group that support network. Yeah. So as a coach, you are, you know, you're standing back and you're facilitating the conversation, but those guys are building those relationships. So if they're in a similar situation, they can absolutely reach out to each other and get that support. So all of a sudden, the capacity of the coaching bank goes. It mm. can go tenfold because mm. you can you can use group coaching as an intervention, which is could be quite different from individual coaching but you can use it for more people for similar topics. I imagine that's got so many benefits, but you've got to start doing it to actually Absolutely. build up Absolutely. that group knowledge, historical knowledge, because I guess it comes back to one of your points around leadership and being vulnerable and saying you don't know, because 
you might that people might bring to that session something that you don't instantly have the answer to but through the discussion absolutely something and evolves oh, yeah that's right and group coaching is not around the it's not around the answer so a lot of the time it's just around sharing and the benefit of saying it out loud and the benefit of being able to be open in a safe environment um, and being supported by the individuals. So I've run group coaching sessions for team managers. We did something on quite a big scale last year for the team manager population in John Lewis, the contact centres. Um, and the benefit was in the room, absolutely in the room. Um, and we're doing something similar with some of the senior leaders this year around actually we can signpost some of the great stuff that John Lewis does in terms of process, you know, if you look at how to write a good PDP, we can signpost where that is, but the real learning comes from everybody talking to each other about what's worked, what hasn't, and somebody saying, actually, I'm not sure you should be doing it like that, and they're not realising. So it's just fantastic. Yeah. How, how would someone who's listening to something like this and think, this is, assuming there's someone listening, um, <laughs> think this, this, is, this is brilliant, um, th but there's an investment. So there's, how has that been achieved that, I'm assuming this is in work time. Yes. Um, and naturally the benefits that would seemingly be obvious that you have more well-rounded, developed employees Absolutely. across functions, yeah. feeling engaged, performing well. Yeah. But at some point, someone's had to have said, we need to do this and we need to take people away from the daily firefighting yeah. to, to just take time, be present yeah. and be mindful. And Absolutely. And I think you're spot on. And I think coaching, all the coaches uh, within JL and, and Waitrose do it as part of their day job. Um, and the coaching time can be within work time. Um, but the benefits of coaching, um, you know, like any learning and development kind of intervention are quite hard to quantify because there's so many other mm. things that could have an impact. But it's the well-being of the partners that's so important um, and having an opportunity to speak openly about things that are affecting them, work or personal, and things that are blocking their development. So coaching as an intervention can be absolutely so effective with somebody with, you know, potentially with confidence issues like we discussed earlier, or somebody who's having a problematic, um, you know, relationship, work relationship. So you can really begin to pick it apart and, and, and help the client see uh, from another person's perspective as well. So it's not, sometimes it's around a change of behavior, a change of mindset, or just being able to see, see something from somebody's other point of view. But I think when you're in that situation, it's really hard to bring yourself out of that and be able to reflect on what's going on. And that coach provides the mirror to provide that reflection for that individual. Um, and but our chairman, Charlie uh, Mayfield, absolutely um, called out that last year, last year or the year before, that coaching was um, vital for the success of the partnership. So if you're in a progressive culture like, like here is then, um, you still have a mountain of work to do to Absolutely. get to get it effective and start kind of sharing your wins with people and saying this is really working. What advice would you give to someone who maybe is in a culture where they don't feel this would be well received as a as a concept? Um, I mean, the thing that I find is that you've got to be authentic 
and you've got to be true to yourself. So um, every, well, I know this is probably not right, but you know, every culture should have the, you should have the ability to be able to share things. Um, and that may always not be true. Um, but I think if you if you truly believe that's the right thing to do, then that may not be the culture for you. Um, that sounds quite harsh, but I think um, you know if you want to sh if you want to share things um, and be open, um, then hopefully you'll be able to do that within your normal work environment. Um, or you can find a coach externally, but obviously that comes at a cost if if it's not provided by the business. But I think there's always opportunities to influence if you can yeah. understand the um, if you can understand the benefits and you can prove those benefits. There will always be somebody I truly believe that would listen that you can that you can influence um, a different way of doing business. I suppose. And I think that's true. I mean, it's finding what it is that influences the senior leadership. Absolutely. And you touched on it before about the importance of establishing an external network or. Absolutely. Because I think there's always something about you go away and maybe you come back and say to senior leadership, guess what? Everyone is doing X, Y, Z. It's this kind of like fear of missing out, Absolutely. isn't it? So even if they're not fully bought into... Yeah. And I, I think we've all dealt with people that are probably um, wary of that, even though we're in an industry that's constantly about change. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, oh, what's, the, what's this latest thing that you're you're going to be talking to me about but but, but you're right I think if you've uh, it's one of the, the science of persuasion isn't it if you can absolutely demonstrate you demonstrate the benefit and it's that some of that has got to be financial um, and you can absolutely demonstrate what other businesses are doing externally look at the new thinking that's coming out around um, whatever it is you're trying to influence on if you can create a compelling case um, and as you say, uh, make the senior leadership concerned that they're behind the times, um, then you've got to be in with a shot, surely. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, if you look at um, your successful, you have a successful team that's won an award, you're doing some great things, coaching is very important to you. What are some of the other pillars that you lean on, your foundations as to what's important? And that if you know through this or mentoring or anything like that that you'd want to share. Okay, I suppose the things that I've learned, um, and I haven't always been great at them, if I'm honest. Uh, but the things I've learned um, that I think have made me successful um, is absolutely the importance of being yourself at work. Um, I am the same person at work as I am at home. Um, I wear slightly smarter shoes, I would admit. <laughs> That's about the only difference. Um, but I am quite an open person. I wear my heart on my sleeve, um, and it, I think I find it naturally easy to share everything. Um, that's just who I am. But I do think it's, it, it's really important to be authentic um, because then you're just who you are. You don't have to worry about, oh my God, I shouldn't have said that if I'm at work. Actually, if you're just who you are, um, that's that's really important, and that's probably come to me in the last sort of five or six years through some great feedback. So feedback is one of the key things I think is just absolutely vital. So not just requesting the feedback, you 
know, you should be requesting it all the time, not just at your annual review, but also giving that feedback, always with a positive intent. So how did that person's interaction make you feel? If you take, um, if it's always got to be personal in the first person, you know, everyone knows how to give feedback, but I do feel that's just so important um, that you help people develop through, through what you've observed. Um, but also receiving that feedback, but not just from your line manager. So I would, you know, ask for feedback from the people in my team, uh, my peers, uh, people I've worked with before. Um, and I don't think that that really reflects any weakness. It reflects, for me, it reflects the strength that I'm receiving all this, this rich knowledge about myself and how I'm perceived from a variety of people. Um, with any feedback it is a gift and you can decide to unwrap it or just to chuck it over the fence and that, that's absolutely fine um, but that's been really important to me um, and I suppose the other, the other thing is, is around reflection so and the two lend themselves uh, absolutely. to each other I so guess, I'm, a, I'm a real advocate of reflection and it's one of those things that always falls by the wayside if, you, if you're too busy so it's in my diary every week and I quite simply reflect on, um, the first thing I reflect on is what I've done really well that week, so what have I achieved, um, then what are my missed opportunities and then what my, what's my priorities for the, the following uh, period and that is sometimes around my PDP, it's sometimes around task and sometimes it doesn't really matter what it's around, it's around reflecting on how you're feeling what you've achieved um, and what you've learned and I suppose what I, what I felt early on in my career I'm a natural learner I love learning new things I love experiencing new things so I would go I would read research articles I'd read all these books but I didn't really know what I was doing with them so I'd read all this stuff and then it wouldn't go anywhere and I suppose now I really ask myself honestly what have I what have I achieved what have I learned but more importantly, what difference has that made? So what difference has it made to the business? But what, what can I do now that I couldn't do before? And it's that, that important distinction around absolutely understanding what you've done and what's the impact. That's the important bit. So a lot of people do the first bit, but then we don't go to the final piece. And that's, that's key. So do you, will your team be used to you? Because um, I guess if you, just with feedback, different ways of doing it informally yes. formally with some routine or just kind of again tactically based how do you help your teams overcome that first hurdle because I think there's something it, you'd like to say feedback's a gift Absolutely. but for some people it is the worst possible thing they can imagine doing um, certainly I, I've even recently read a book um, called Insight by Tasha Urich okay. and it says in all of her studies so she's a New York she's a doctor I think and a regular writer in the New York Times she thinks self-awareness gained from feedback okay. and reflection yes. is the key distinct determinator between those people that are successful to a point and those that kind of without getting yeah. like Buddhist in a way but yeah. truly enlightened and absolutely um, it's a common denominator and she makes some really interesting observations and again this seems like it's something that's just part of who you are 
what about for you, so that question, what about for your teams where maybe someone buys into you, buys into what you do with a team, wants to further their career, but struggles with um, feedback because they personalise it? Yeah, okay, so I suppose just a couple of things. Um, firstly, um, I, I'm really good at recruiting great people. Um, and my team are fab. Um, and one of my key requirements is open and honesty. So I really set that clear expectation from the start. So they can say, I might struggle with yeah. feedback. Can and you help me? Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. I would absolutely support them. And anybody new joins the team, whatever level they are, I will sit with them and say, these are my expectations. And I will be giving you feedback, whether I'm your direct line manager or not. Um, and I expect the same back. Um, but I build those relationships with the team to break down those barriers. Um, because some of the team are, you know, quite new to the team and would find that quite would find yeah. it odd. But by me building the relationships, being open and authentic, talking about my dog and my children, um, and really building that relationship with people, um, and always delivering on what I say. So um, it's about making people feel comfortable and also giving people the tools to say, actually, if you're giving people feedback. You keep it really relevant to the specific point, um, then it, and you're talking about the impact on you. Um, you're not actually, if you're doing it with positive intent, it's not an issue. It shouldn't be an issue. It mm. should never be an issue. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think. But my team are, um, they're they're all fine with it. Um, well, that's what they tell me anyway. They haven't given me <laughs> feedback to the, to the contrary. I guess for for people that might. Um one of the key differences from certainly when we started to now is the access to resources, the access to key information Absolutely. about how you might want to approach something, yeah. right? But to your earlier point, if anyone's in any doubt, then they can reach out to Absolutely. you. Absolutely, and, and, and to um, my, my team. You know, I've got, got two great uh, direct reports, Alice and Steph, who look after um, the two areas of my function, um, who are fab coaches themselves. So. Um, They've got lots of people to, to reach out to, and we work very much as a three, um, so they reach out to anybody and we cover each other. So um, we've got a, um, a great team ethos um, built around a, a common purpose and a common belief um, that all my team have signed up to. Um, so it makes everything quite straightforward because everybody's really clear on what they're doing. but. But even more important, the way that we should, do, the way that we do that in operational support, everybody's really clear on the purpose of operational support, um, which is which is fantastic. And what else then? So we talked about the other thing about authenticity as well. What do you have? You ever had people challenge you around um, that? There, it's not the reverse, or it doesn't mean that you can't develop. That you can still be the same person, but maybe you just exhibit different behaviours or you you become more consistent between let's say an outside version of yourself and a work side. Yeah, and there will always be um, and that works for some people and that's not to say my way is the right way I just find it it's just easier because you don't need to remember who what, what hat you're wearing. Yeah. Um, and there's, obviously there was going to be differences slight differences um, but I would have a conversation with 
a member of my team in exactly the same way I'd have a conversation with a friend. Um, it's not to say my team are friends, um, as an important distinction, but it's just the authenticity um, and the benefit that derives is just, is just great. Um, mm. So that, that for me is really important, but you know, different things work for different people and absolutely you would have more of a, uh, a professional persona, I suppose, but it's, uh, my point is around when you're completely different and people don't yeah. really know you outside of work at all mm. um, and for somebody my value around being very open and honest that would that would not work for me so your what's next for you in terms of um, your personal purpose or your team's purposes or where so, so my, what's the future well look I like? suppose but we've we've sort we're sorted on our purpose the team the team is is great you know we've moved from being just a strategy and change function we've now got quality and training and a customer assurance function as well so the team has grown um is that a recent change it was or? last year so the team the team grew last year to make us operational support um but having that common purpose was so important because we were bringing together three separate teams so even though we work in different areas we've all got a common goal so that's mm. that's really key and i suppose in terms of my personal purpose just you know, sorry just did you yeah. verbalize so you bring in together teams that have yep. developed their own mannerisms and common yes. ways of working uh, absolutely you don't want to change that but you need to bring it into together well some of it did need to be modified um, because we'd been working as three separate teams um, but it was around absolute taking the fantastic bits of everything that everybody did, putting them together, but then we're not the old strategy and change team, we're not the old quality and training team, we are operational support. So it's around how can those three functions really, really work well together. So, you know, for example, the feedback from the customer, the customer insurance um, team uh, received from customers feeds into feeds into the strategy feeds into our training you know quality sits in the middle of everything so you know if we've got a quality operation so that's like a um, a key point for everything um so we did need to bring it together um, and we had a quite a big event at the beginning of the year where we found our, our purpose um so we spent two days um really finding um common ground agreeing on a goal um, kind of agree on a goal with 25 of you is, is a challenge but we got there um, and everybody signed up to what we're doing and as I said more importantly the way that we do business and the service we provide to the contact centre function and the service we provide to the wider business as well great I'm sorry I interrupted you yeah you, no no you no, were saying no like just saying you know, the personal purpose I mean I think I suppose that's probably my final point is around if you can find the purpose you have personally, um, it just makes everything really easy. So quite early on, uh, throughout all of my career, I've always been involved and um, really enjoyed and been passionate about developing and leading people. Um, but a couple of years ago, I really wanted to kind of investigate a little bit further what that meant. Um, and spent quite a long time, I worked with a coach as well, um, it was one of those conversations, well where's my career going, what's happening with this, but actually it wasn't around what's the next job, it was around what is your, what is your purpose, um, what is that purpose, and once you've got that, then everything else just falls into place, so my purpose is around 
absolutely supporting people to be the best they can be. Um, and once I put my finger on that, it's quite simple, once I put my finger on that, then everything else I don't need to make a decision on because it's just obvious what I need to do. So I don't really need to get advice about mm. empowering people or consider um, delegation, how I delegate people, how I delegate to people. It all comes quite naturally because I really understand my purpose around enabling people to be the best they can be. I would, I, I would like to be in your team. I think I'd love, I'd love oh, to. Thank and, you. Um, this has been brilliant. Hopefully, you definitely come back and we can do do it again because I think great. there's so many different things that we've just touched on that I know people would find helpful. I've learned something today. I've learned lots today. So thank you, Joe Garland, Lovely. very much. Thank you, Martin, for the time. No brilliant. worries. Thank Thanks. you.